I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so very much, that even while we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by great God's special favor that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, all because we are one with Christ Jesus. And so God can always point to us as examples of the incredible wealth of his favor and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us through Christ Jesus. God saved you by his special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. We mentioned already that our elders are uh, leading our service today, and I'm grateful for that. I'm glad that we have the elders that we do who will, will lead us in worship and praise. I wanted to say here before Dave and I get started, we're going to kind of tag team today this sermon, okay? And uh, one of the things I wanted to say was I hope that our church recognizes how wonderful we have it with the elders that we have in our church family. I have been with uh, several different churches and have worked very closely with elders. I have been an elder and worked with a wonderful eldership uh, in Texas just before we came here. And I would gladly put our elders up against any group of elders with which I've worked, including me as an elder. They are absolutely wonderful in the ways in which they care for this church, the ways in which they minister here. When I get together with them on a Tuesday evening, they want to pray for you. When we meet together, they talk about what's happening in your lives and talk about how much they love and care for this flock. And I'm just so blessed and so grateful for that. Now, you might think, well, you have to say that. They're your elders. If they were not my, in some sense, bosses, I guarantee you I would say the same thing. I promise you I would. Because this is how I honestly feel about these guys. I have been so blessed to be able to work with them. It has been a privilege. And uh, it's just I'm so thankful for who they are. The last couple of weeks, we have talked very specifically about reaching out, uh, talking about how Jesus himself reached out and was reaching out in his world in such a way that brought the kingdom of God and which was a great blessing to the world in which he lived. And we haven't read all of this passage yet, but let me read this one all the way through this morning. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Now when I say Zacchaeus, everybody thinks a wee little man, okay? But just listen to the story of Zacchaeus. This is a lot more than a story about a guy who's vertically challenged. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, what being a sh- but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now how would you like the Son of God to say to you, I'm coming over. That would be an interesting circumstance. And here, Messiah 
is coming into this person's house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner because they knew Zacchaeus' life. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, recognizes him as a lost one and is so thrilled, really, to be with Zacchaeus and have an impact on his life. And what does that do to Zacchaeus? It immediately turns his life around and causes him, in turn, to minister to others. So he ends up giving half of what he has to the poor and paying back four times the value of what he owes others. And the reason for that is this, and this is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. When you're in the presence of Jesus, it causes you to go into the lives of others and impact them. The gospel does that to us. We're impacted by Christ, and we then go into our world with the impact of the gospel. We've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. Uh, We're going to do some more of that from Titus chapter 3, and David's going to do that. David? Thank you, Kelly. About uh, two or three weeks ago, uh, Kelly began uh, talking about Titus chapter 3, primarily verses uh, 4 through uh, 8. I'd like to uh, look at these verses uh, again a little bit. But what I'd like you to notice is that in Titus chapter 3, Paul begins his letter to Titus in this way. He said, remind your people to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. He concludes this chapter by saying very much the same thing. For our people should not have unproductive lives. They must learn to do good by helping others who have urgent needs. And then in the beginning of the chapter, uh, the passage that Kelly referred to a couple Sundays ago, he tells them, what they were like before they became a Christians, that they were evil, that they did bad things, that they thought evil thoughts, very much like uh, we have been. And then he said that God showed his mercy to them, and he saved them as he has saved us, and he poured out his spirit generously upon them. And then he said, these things I have told Uh, You are all true. I want you to insist on them so that everyone who trusts in God will be careful to do good deeds all the time. And so we want to talk a little bit about that this morning. And you know, doing good deeds all the time is not difficult to talk about when we talk to people in this congregation. Because I know so many of you that do good deeds all the time. There are people here that that is their their passion, that is what they do, and we're grateful for that. And you know, I think the reason why this happens is because you believe the passage that we read when we read the the scripture lesson to you, where uh, in writing to the Ephesians, Paul said, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
You indeed are God's masterpiece. You are his workmanship. You have been created that you might do the good deeds. And so this morning, uh, we want to talk a little bit about what a person looks like that is a do-gooder. Sometimes uh, being a do-gooder is not looked upon in, in a great deal of favor. But what we want to talk about is, is what this kind of a person looks like. The apostle tells us that we need to do good deeds all the time. And, and if we do, and if you do, and if somebody else does, what does that person really look like? And so we want to talk about three things. And first of all, the person that is uh, one that does good deeds all of the time is a person that has eyes to see the needs that they can respond to. You know, the world has had eyes that have responded to uh, the needs of people in the last three weeks. Uh, when you first turned your television on and heard the devastation that had taken place in Haiti, when you opened the newspaper the next morning and read about how Port-au-Prince had been virtually destroyed, eyes were opened. And so a person that has the desire to do good deeds, that person is one that has eyes that sees needs. I believe that our congregation is like that, and we are grateful for the way you look this morning with eyes that see needs. But Kelly, what I'd like you to do is to share with us a little bit what you have seen as you have looked at this congregation, worked with this congregation, been part of this congregation. Have you ever seen anybody that has eyes that see needs? Indeed, I have. I've told the elders here before, and I've told, I think I've told the church uh, in general, that I, one of the reasons that I'm so grateful for being in Calgary right now is that we clearly have a church that cares about those around us. And I do think that we have a church with eyes wide open to the needs of our world. And, and I think that's a, it's a rich blessing to be a part of a church that does that. I see that in things like every week, as we've talked about before, people come by here who are homeless or people who live sometimes in this area, who are in some uh, disadvantaged ways, who come here and will say, I just need enough food to get me through the rest of the month before my check comes. Or sometimes people will say, I am on the streets and I've got no food. Can you help me? Now, when I say that this happens, I don't just mean this happens occasionally. This happens every day. Like you're not here, so most of you, and so you don't see that. But if you were, and if you are around, then you know what I'm talking about. Every day there are people who come here and we feed them. And that's because our church has eyes that see needs and attempt to meet them. I think of the, uh, the request that went out just in the last week. Charles and Benedictus are here now, and Charles said, we just moved here, we need a few things, can you help us? Immediately, things, uh, first emails and phone calls started pouring in, and, and there was made available things for uh, the Odomes family, and I'm so grateful for that. When the Guzmans first came from Peru, the same thing happened, and needs were met, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, I think of the Christmas homeless project that we do at Christmas time, and the, and the hundreds of people who are blessed through that ministry. And that's because our church has eyes that are wide open to the needs of those around them. And I am so grateful that God uses us in that way. A person that does good deeds all of the time certainly needs eyes that are open to the needs. But after that, there is something else that needs to happen. And that is that 
people that do good deeds need to have hearts that are tender and compassionate. I'm sure that uh, as uh, you read your paper and as you looked at your uh, television, there were times when uh, your heart was broken. There were times when you shed tears as other people shed tears. There were times when you wondered just exactly what you could do, and you did that because you have a tender and compassionate heart. And we thank God for people that have tender and compassionate hearts. As I was thinking about this, uh, I thought of times in uh, elders' meetings when uh, somebody has shared what is on their heart, and as they've shared that, tears have been shed and prayers have been offered. And we, we want to be the kind of people that do have tender and compassionate hearts. And we want you to be the kind of people that have tender and compassionate hearts, and we know you do. And Kelly, I'm, I'm wondering again if, if you have noticed any tender hearts as you've been part of this congregation. All I have to do is say the words Drew Clark, and there is a part of many of your hearts that will immediately break. And that's because of the way in which we grieved along with people whom we love not that long ago. There were hearts that were broken in caring for that family. And, and I saw consistently the compassion that was there, the tenderness that was displayed, the love, the devotion to family. That goes on around us all the time. Sometimes it's not as tragic a circumstance as what we saw with the Clark family. But there are many times when there are people here who are ill in some way. People who have great needs and experience loss. And what I've witnessed again and again is our family reach out to one another in protection and care compassion, ministering to one another in a circumstance like that. And I am so grateful to be part of a church that has that kind of heart for people. We've talked about eyes that see needs. We've talked about hearts that are compassionate. But one of the other things that a person that does good deeds all of the time is have hands that reach out to respond to that need. It is possible for me to see things that need to happen in people's lives. It's possible for my heart even to be moved. But unless I have hands that are going to reach out and, and assist in some way, then I'm not sure that uh, I'm going to be the kind of person that is one that does do good deeds all of the time. We were standing in the, the grocery line uh, a couple days ago. Uh, we'd bought just a few groceries. Uh, Shirley had put some things on the, the counter, and uh, I was standing ready to, to pay for them when uh, she had packaged them up, and there was a lady in front of us <clears throat> that had her groceries go through the till. 
And when they went through the till, she didn't have quite enough money to pay for them. So she called for her husband, and he came, and he didn't have the money. And uh, so she began to wonder what she could put back on the counter. And as I stood there and watched, I had eyes that saw, and uh, I had a heart that was compassionate. And uh, eventually she uh, finished her activities and went on her way. And then we did our business, and and Shirley said, I felt so sorry for that woman. I wished uh, that that hadn't happened. It, It troubled me. And it troubled me as well. And what I said was, I, I, I wish that I had said, hey, leave the things there. When I go through, uh, I'll pay for them. I didn't do that. And what I'm saying is that it is possible to have eyes that see. It's possible to have hearts that are compassionate. But we also need hands that reach out. In our little community of Airdrie, there is a, a small autistic boy that... Uh, Every year, as school starts, there are backpacks that are put together to give to kids that go to school that don't have the kind of things that they need. And this all happened uh, because this little boy uh, became fixated. Uh, Sometimes kids that have special needs do that, and he became fixated about the, the needs of kids. And so he had talked with his parents, and they had begun to... Uh, see if they could do some things that could help. And so this little boy, because he had in his heart uh, some compassion for other little kids that didn't have needs, was able, even though he was a bit challenged himself, to start something that became very, very big, at least in his eyes it became big, and it is uh, big in the community. Actually, a book has been written. Uh, that is on sale last fall in, in the store as, as funds are raised to, to help kids that have needs. How did it start? It started because somebody in their little heart had a heart of compassion. And that is one of the things that I think is the, the culmination of what a person looks like that does good deeds all the time. And I know that a number of folks, and probably all of you, in this congregation have demonstrated how your hands have reached out to those in need. Uh, I see people here that I know have done that, and we're so grateful. And Kelly, again, would you come and share with us a little bit about what your experience have been in this way? A couple of years ago, we had an occasion to uh, hear about a need for education in uh, the nation of Zambia. There was a place where we heard that there was a school building that held 60 students and there were 500 kids that were wanting to go to school. Kids double up in desks. They sit around the room on on the floor and try and learn the best they can. They take in two different sets of students each day and they try and do their best in educating them, but it's not easy because there just isn't enough space for those students. So we made that plea before the congregation. We said we needed $12,000 in order to build a schoolroom that would house some more students. Well, it ended up that the project cost more like 20 instead of 12. But that's okay because when you ask for 12 and you get 35, things still can happen. And so we took in $35,000 in order to build some school classrooms in the nation of Zambia. And there are children today that have a chance to go to school 
because you donated money that made that possible. If you had not donated the money, there would be children who would maybe not just be doubled up in desks, but who wouldn't have a chance to go at all. And that's because you have hands that reach out. I received an email this week from uh, Bobby Ross, who works with the Christian Chronicle. Bobby had been here last year and talked about uh, writing an article about our church and writing uh, our reaching out. And so he was here for about two days, three days, uh, interviewing us and uh, ended up writing an article that was published in the Christian Chronicle uh, about our church. Bobby uh, called or actually emailed again this week and said, there's something I want to tell you about. He said, one of the things that we haven't heard yet from Haiti is that on the Tuesday evening of the earthquake, there was a group of people from a church of Christ in Port-au-Prince that were walking together toward an evening Bible study. There were 150 people walking together toward a, a Tuesday evening Bible study. And as they were walking down the street, the earthquake hit and rubble started falling from the buildings on top of them. And so the 150 people all ran in quickly to a building for shelter. The building collapsed and they all died. 150 members of that Church of Christ in Port-au-Prince were on their way to an evening Bible study and were all killed on their way there. There is an incredible need in that country, maybe larger than we could even imagine. And I'm grateful that this morning, in just a few moments, we're going to have a chance to do something to help those people. They need us. And for us to reach out is not only appropriate, but fits perfectly who we are as a church. We're going to be uh, <clears throat> passing the offering bags in just a few minutes, and I see they're not here, so... Oh, they're, they're ready, though. They're ready? Okay. Uh, wait just a minute, but uh, they are ready. But before we do that, there's just uh, a couple of things that, uh, that I would like to say. And, and first of all, what I would like to say that uh, on behalf uh, of the elders, we very much appreciate who you are. We very much appreciate that you have eyes that see needs, that you have hearts that are compassionate, and you have hands that reach out to meet people's needs. And uh, because we are appreciative, uh, we want to thank you. We simply want to say we're grateful. We know that God is pleased as well. And the second thing I'd like to say is that, uh, and I say this on, on behalf of the elders as well, that we would like you to view the elders as people that have eyes that see needs, have hearts that are compassionate, have hands that reach out. We want to be those kind of folks. And perhaps uh, we haven't always demonstrated that. Uh, maybe there are times when you have had needs, and all of the needs obviously are not uh, financial. They're not because you're hungry, uh, maybe physically. But if we have not uh, met your needs as we should, uh, we're sorry for that. And we want to be the, the kind of men that uh, will uh, indeed have the eyes that see, the hearts that are compassionate, and the hands that feel. And we'd like to, to commit to you that we want to be those folks and that we're going to try very hard to be that. Do you have anything else? No. 
Okay, would you uh, please pass uh, the bags then and we'll take up the collection for Haiti. I'm not supposed to be here right now. Here. I'm just uh, compelled by the Spirit to share a story. Um, Last, just a couple of weeks ago, I was on a Caribbean cruise. And uh, four years ago, we were on a Caribbean cruise and we wanted to visit the Grand Cayman Islands. And we, we couldn't because of uh, some hurricane that went through there and wiped the entire island out. And so we were really excited about visiting the Grand Caymans for the first time. Really wanted to be there. I really wanted to be there. And as I was on that boat heading south, Haiti was in my mind. And I looked at the map, and Haiti is 400 miles or so east, 500 miles east of where I was traveling. And I started to get tense, and I started to get anxious. That earthquake had better not destroy my trip to the Grand Cayman Islands again. And I started to weep. How selfish of me. I am concerned over my holiday. There's 150 church members that were swallowed up and, and killed. The lives that have been impacted and devastated there. And I'm concerned about my holiday. God is so good that he would tolerate me and my attitude and allow me the time to think about this, the time to get on my knees and say, I'm sorry. And I'm glad this morning that I was able to do something with my hands to give to those people, to that relief effort uh, in Haiti that demonstrates to my God that I am sorry for my attitude. The other thing I think about is that there's a lot of people doing good in Haiti. But who are they doing good for? Is it for their own credit? Because I'm not giving this morning for my credit. I'm giving for my God. Thank you.